Welcome to Hip Hop Movie Club, where three old heads put their old heads together to vibe on some of the most memorable or forgettable hip hop themed movies of all time. And here's HHMC with your HHMCs, Boogie, JB, and Dino Wright. Season 4, Episode 4, Paid in Full. Written by Matthew Cyrulnik, Thulani Davis, and AZ Faison. Released in 2002 and featuring Wood Harris, Mackay Pfeiffer, and Cameron. We'll answer the question, what will Ace's master plan be to get some dead presidents? Pain of Full is an urban crime drama set in Harlem in the late 1980s, in which Ace, played by Wood Harris, is reluctant to join the drug dealing world, but eventually gives in to the lure of the financial possibilities. Along with his friends Mitch and Rico, and backed by supplier Lulu, he gains power as a major dealer. The business is not for the faint of heart, as the money is huge, but so are the egos, envy, and the dangers. So, uh, Boogie, you want to kick us off? And what were the key elements that you liked about this film, Paid in Full? Yeah, I think the, the, the key elements that I liked about this movie, it, it was very real in its portrayal. I mean, you see, similar to how we mentioned with New Jazz City, there's a lot of realism to this to this movie. You see someone who's who's trying to live a straight life, per se, and, you know, the enticing... Um, elements of the street culture is trying to pull him in. You know, his best friend, Mitch, is pretty well known throughout the neighborhood for being a, a drug dealer. And because of his entrepreneurial <laughs> street pharmaceutical venture, he's becoming quite wealthy with the flashiness um, that comes along with it. You know, you see him um, driving pretty nice, you know, cars, you know, go, when they go to the club, Everybody knows them. They're all trying to get a, you know, get, get a piece of the action, trying to get in the scene with them. The DJs are giving them shout outs. You know, women are flocking to him. He's got the flashy clothes on. He's got all of this gold and he's, you know, tossing money around like it's no, it's nothing. You know, in all intents and purposes, it's like he's broke. <laughs> you know, he's, you know, he's working in the dry cleaner and um, he can't, he can't compete with that. That, that lifestyle. I mean, even though at first he's very reluctant, but um, yeah, eventually it, it, it pulls him in and he starts to, I mean, even though he keeps a, a very mellow tone to about himself, not super as flashy as, as Mitch was, but the money just, he's making money hand over fist. He doesn't, you know, gets a little out of control with it. But I think the realism of how people are enticed and brought into it it's very realistic. And also the soundtrack, you know, the music that plays throughout the movie is top notch. You can't get, it doesn't get any better than the soundtrack um, as far as, you know, music is concerned. And the thing that the, the, the acting on behalf of, of Cameron, he's a loose cannon, but he's somewhat comical, but he, he has this, this charisma about him that when he's on scene, you're, all right, what is he going to do now? Okay. What is he going to do now? What is he going to say now? So I, I, I mean, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a knucklehead, but I enjoyed watching him portray that knucklehead as well. You see that 
Is that a common a common theme that we see in a lot of these movies? Even when we did our comedy season, it's like you get these rappers in these movies, and some of these are just naturals for the camera. I guess that comes in the performing arts where you're performing in in music videos and whatnot. But it, Cameron really was a likable character. We see that with Tupac. We even see that with the Fat Boys and Disorderlies. I mean, yeah. impressed impressed on how well these guys pull off these these roles. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for, that was a great analysis there, Boogie. Um, it brought me in right away, like the intro, but the title track, Paid in Full by Eric B. and Rakim. I mean, that, that brings you right in. I love That's one of my all-time favorite songs. Yes. And even like right away, there's a scene where it's kind of in the more present day before they go back. And they're betting $5,000 on a paper basketball shot. And then it's like a double or nothing. I'm like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> and like, okay, and then they, they they go and they tell the story about how he gets caught in the, in the drug dealing. And like you said, he was really reluctant because I, I know that Ace had a good moral conscience and he's trying to live the right way, but it almost kind of fell into his lap. I mean, he was finding the, the crack in it or, or the cocaine in some form, like in the dry cleaning and stuff like that. And then I think was it Mitch maybe got locked up and it's like okay who's the dealer now and he's like yeah. oh well i happen to have something and he saw how easy it was and he's like yeah. okay well maybe i can make a make this work make a living out of it yeah yeah the conditions presented themselves to yeah to, to ace yeah mitch, mitch and calvin both were, were behind bars mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah there's even a scene in, in, towards the beginning ace like like you said he's trying to stand a straight and narrow and this quote stuck stuck out to me he said to Mitch, you know, in 10 years, we'll have matching Benzes. And Mitch is like, more like 10 days, 10 days. <laughs> Meaning that you could make enough money to buy Benz in 10 days if you, you know, if you're selling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Characters were, were, were good. And Lulu, who's a supplier, uh, what was his name? Isai Morales. Um, he was funny in his role as the supplier. <laughs> joking. That's my name, Lulu. <laughs> Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what am I supposed to look like? You know, it's just funny. funny. This might have been my favorite thing that Simon Morales has done. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have seen many of his movies, but uh, I really enjoyed him in this. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. He was pretty charismatic as well. Like he wasn't even a tough guy, intimidating like yeah. type. But he was making a lot of money. Like you can tell by when Ace walked into the apartment, how it was laid out that you know Ludo had had some money about him, and Ace was like pretty observant, like. Oh, what do we have here? Like looking around, like this this guy's got some serious money going on. His apartment is in the same building as you know the guy I just delivered for, but his apartment looks nothing like the other apartment. <laughs> and he and he dressed nicely, like designer yeah. designer shirts and khakis and stuff. And I guess when he pulled out this big key uh, block of cocaine, and it's like showing how he cuts it up in the kilos and stuff like that. And he's like, that portion of it is worth that much money and. I think his eyes got wide as saucers there. I was like, okay, all right. It's a very good sales job by Lulu to get. (laughs) He's like interviewing Ace for a job. Yeah. Yeah, the pitch down. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he gets caught up in it. Ace gets caught up in it. And then, you know, there's Calvin and there's some jealousy and, things go awry as we've seen in other movies, New Jack City and Juice and there's just jealousies and there's uh, dynamics between the characters and it's not for the faint of heart, like I said before. 
Yeah, yeah, that Calvin character, he was shifty from the beginning. And the thing about it that was was a little bothersome is that he was dating Ace's sister, and he would always be around Ace kind of rubbing it in his face about how look, look how I'm taking care of your sister and you can't do this and kind of just putting him down throughout the whole, you know, first part of the, the interaction in the movie. You could see him just like showing off like, oh, yeah, I got this amount of money. Here, keep the change and, you know, trying to put Ace down. Like, meanwhile, Ace is trying to make an honest buck. <laughs> but then, you know, Calvin, you could tell he's not too business savvy because as Mr. Pip, who owned the dry cleaners, he said, yeah, listen, man, that guy's not too bright. He's 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 going to get picked up. And sure enough, Calvin got picked up. And when he was out, when he was behind bars, you know, Ace filled that void. And then he gets out and immediately expects, you know, Ace to do something to him a favor. Meanwhile, the whole time prior to him getting put behind bars, he was kind of putting him down. But Ace was like, All right, you know, I'm going I'm to help you out because I know you. <laughs> And even that wasn't enough. And like I said, the jealousy kicked in <laughs> immediately. <laughs> I kind of like the the storytelling and the way that was directed in terms of you see the you see the scene right in the beginning where um, Ace goes into that apartment room. And he comes out all bloodied, and and then it kind of stops. And then you get flashbacks several years earlier and how it led up to that. Yeah. And then there's a dramatic scene um, in the club when Dougie Fresh was performing in the slow mode and the money falling. And then it could, takes you back to, to how that happened, how Calvin had uh, led the attack and was holding uh, the, the women hostage and beating them up. That's some good nonlinear storytelling techniques. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like that. I like how that was laid out. Very, very well done. So the yeah. director of this movie is Charles Stone III. And you may remember him from Drumline and Mr. 3000. But I remember him from those Budweiser commercials, the What's Up commercials. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. one of the best things about doing this podcast is finding these smaller things that nobody really thinks about or like these small details. And for me, the one that just totally like changed my whole worldview was that he directed a Living Color video of my favorite song. And I didn't realize that was him had directed it. So I'm gonna put this in the show notes, but. Wow. Uh, he also had Living Colors guitarist Vernon Reed do some of the music, along with Fact Fitzpatrick. And I was like, what? All these years I didn't know this? So thank you to YouTube for, for putting this on the list and uh, exposing this part of the, the world that I didn't even know existed. And another thing to put into my Living Color super fandom. <laughs> yeah, I remember just as a personal note now, Dino Wright and I were college roommates uh, for part of our life earlier. And I remember how huge a uh, fan of Living Color he was, bigger than anyone I've ever seen. He would see him in, in concert and playing Cult of Personality and Glamour Boys all the time. And I that really was me. That, that was, was great. Me. Yeah. Yeah. But I even even bigger than that. So mm. one of the things that got me into hip hop was a tribe called Quest. And specifically, I left my wallet in El Segundo. And guess who directed that video? Charles Stone the third. Amazing. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> and yeah, Benita Applebaum. So, whew, yeah, that's awesome. Some heavy hitters there. And a few for the roots. So he's got some real bona fides. <laughs> oh, wow. So he's doing pretty well. That's cool. Yeah, and there was some 
Boogie, you mentioned the music and, and there's a lot of hip hop in it. And uh, but but we we're chatting pre-show a little bit too. They they put in Phil Collins in the air tonight, and that is just the seminal song from like our youth. And it was very powerful uh, the way they used it as well, which was kind of neat how to juxtapose all this hip hop with uh, you know classic rock. Yeah, and that's the one thing too about hip hop. You know, early hip hop. There's always been an appreciation of rock in hip hop. You know, you'll always find, even when it, the, the producers are sampling, make, doing samples, you'll find rock samples throughout a lot of the early songs. So yeah, that that Phil Collins placement, you know, especially being at the time frame that this movie was taking place as well, you know, it was it was very very well done, and very well placed. Yeah, for sure. This is obviously a cautionary tale, just like. New Jack City and Juice because there's tragedy and um, Ace is you know he gets beaten beaten up so bad by Calvin and his and his goons and uh, he's trying to explain to Mitch when he's coming out you know all bandaged up the the game is all fake there's no love in the game the game doesn't love you back but there is that uh, adrenaline rush that these guys get from it because the money is so real. And, and this, like you said, the status, they're rolling down the street, they're beloved. That's called the show or whatever. And Mitch compared it to being a baller, like, like bird or Larry bird or magic. Cause then those were players at that time. So there's that status component that is just intoxicating for some folks. And Rico obviously loved the limelight there where he was filming everything. Um, and he, Ace was like, kind of keep it, keep it on the down low, keep it on the down low. And Rico just needed to be a celebrity. You're taking shenanigans and playing for everyone in the club, like. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, oh, that that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh. As cringy as it was, it did make me laugh. <laughs> like that's now that's crazy. Yeah, he was next level crazy. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Rico. You know, so. So when 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 while Mitch and Calvin are both in jail, you know Calvin was arrested for selling drugs. Mitch was implicated in the murder of a rival um, dealer who had um, stolen from one of his his street soldiers um, on a corner. So both of them were in jail. The Ace was out, you know, on his rise um, in the neighborhood. So while 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 Mitch is inside, of course. People on the inside know who he is. Both people who praise him, people who are you know rivals from the old from their neighborhood. Mitch gets approached by a couple of guys, and they're by one guy in particular. And then come to find out, there were others involved in it that were going to come in as well. But Rico was kind of observing the whole situation and didn't even really know Mitch at all, but heard of who he was and was like, "All right, you know what." This is my opportunity to, to get a piece of the pie and get getting good with this guy for when he gets out. So Rico springs into action and immediately him and Mitch are, you know, taking on all of these guys. But because of that situation, you know, Rico comes over and he's like, and him and Mitch, they kind of introduce themselves to one or another. And once they get out, uh, well, actually prior to that, Ace hears about what happened on the outside because um, someone puts a burden in his ear. Coincidentally, that was a cameo by by Nori, Noriega from Capone and Noriega, played the gentleman who gave Ace the, the what's up of what happened inside with Mitch. So Ace, uh, uh, Nori tells Ace, you know, what happened. So 
So Ace is like, okay, let me go, you know, let me go talk to this guy real quick. So he finds, he seeks Rico out and, you know, kind of said, introduces himself to Rico. And Rico said, hey, you know, when Mitch gets out, you know, the three of us can go in, go in, in business together and, and kind of do something. So then Ace, when Mitch gets out, you know, Ace has a welcome home kind of thing for him, gives Mitch a new car. And the two of them start talking about Rico and say, yeah, you know, maybe we should kind of bring this guy in. He kind of looked out for me while I was inside. Unprovoked. I didn't really know him, but he helped me out. So then they bring Rico into the fold. But, but like I said, Rico, Rico's not the, the entrepreneurial type like Mitch and Ace are. He's a street soldier. He just wants to, you know, you tell me what to do when I'll do it. You need me to take this guy out, I'll do it. You need me to take this guy out, I'll do it. You need me to enforce these guys, I'll do it. But he's a loose cannon. <laughs> yeah. And then he 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 dragged that one guy out of the car um, yeah. at one point because uh, he had mentioned one of the rivals or I think I can't remember what it was the reason but um, he just pulled him out of the car and beat him up. Uh, yeah, he was loose cannon. And then it, tragically, I mean, Rico ends up killing Mitch over the fourteen kilos he turned on him. Yeah. So yeah, he had issues. It's nice to see Ace did survive. And, you know, at the very end, he says it's a new game now with prop guns and champagne. He was living well, um, which was nice to see. But there was a lot of tragedy along the way. That really brought home the point that everything was fake. Like the, the love was fake and like it turned into actual fake music yeah, right. video kind of thing. That, I thought that was a really nice note. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like telling, like, listen, back in the 80s, maybe this is how you got your status. You had to really be in the game and get your status. But now that hip-hop has evolved so much, you could have fake guns and champagne and be a fake gangster and make the millions, pretty much. I mean, and, Jay-Z made a career out of, like, actually being a drug dealer. <laughs> right. Right. He was a drug dealer. But then you have folks that give off that persona all these years that never were in the game but they claim to be gangsters. Mm -hmm. yeah. They'll talk the big game. They'll put out a couple a hit record or two, and then they get out. And then they, they have all the same money as these people that really were on the streets earning their keep, albeit illegally. Right. <laughs> well, there was um a couple things I, I kind of questioned, and I wanted to kind of touch up upon those. Ace obviously is not a professional entrepreneur but although he made money hand over fist because the business was cooking but it was weird to me how he reacted to the murder of lulu lulu was a supplier and he was murdered um and then he was kind of seeing put on face and he goes right to the restaurant where he had been a few times with lulu and some of his other countrymen were there lulu's countrymen and i'm like that's kind of weird that's kind of dangerous also, Ace's strategy was like, I'm wholesaling, like I'm out there and I'm kind of undercutting the dealers. I'm like, that's kind of to me, that's like a death wish. You know, these other dealers find out that you're selling at a much lower rate and trying to putting them out of business. That's kind of like maybe Walmart coming in and shutting down these mom and pop stores or, or something like that. He would have a target on his back right away. I mean, that's what, my, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. That, that definitely does paint a nice, bright target on your back. Yeah, I think the whole way he handled Lulu's death, I think his his mentality was, hey, you know, I had nothing to do with it. Let me let these guys know I had nothing to do with it. Maybe somebody had seen him. He said maybe somebody saw me going in and out of his apartment. Yeah. Let me go try to clear my name right away before they come after me. 
I think that's probably what he was might have been thinking. And you know, I'm not trying to steal from you here. This is it, right? This is what you know what he had in his place. I'm giving it back to you as a sign of good faith. So hopefully, you won't come after me. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, while I'm here, <laughs> maybe we can uh, maybe maybe we can re- continue to resume the business operations with you guys as my uh, supplier. Right. Yeah, he did need a new supplier, so. Yes. <laughs> right, because like Lulu already showed me how you know you can break this down and and, and make money off of it. So, yeah, it's kind of like um, and that that was a theme that did not. So Ace was actually the narrator of the movie too, and it's kind of like he mentioned something like, "Oh, the game goes on," and like I said when Mitch was locked up, it's like the game goes on. It's kind of like because there was somebody that was relying on Mitch as his dealer, and then he. I guess he bumps into Ace and always. So wait a second, are you? Can you hook me up? You know, it's kind of like. Oh, I can hook you up. So it's kind of like a revolving door. Yeah. 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 There'll always be somebody here selling it. Yeah, these people are are hooked. <laughs> and there's a couple other like kind of character development issues I had where for most of the film, I wasn't sure if Sonny, the, the little boy, was Mitch's son or his or his little brother, or maybe a nephew or something. And it wasn't revealed until later when when he was taken ransom that it that it was his little brother. And I thought that was a little off-putting to me. I was like, oh, it's his, it's, it's his brother. Because he said, that's my boy, you know? And uh, it was never really clear to me. As well as the character of Ice that was living with uh, Mitch and his mother. And I was like, is this a family friend? Is this the love interest of his mother? Um, but then it was revealed that it was the mother's brother. So it was his uncle. And yeah. And it was him and his friend Tommy that ended up taking the boy hostage and then tragically killing him because they went off the deep end. So that was, for me, it threw me off a little bit about who exactly are these these characters. Yeah, Sonny, I didn't quite get confused about, but Ice, I had no idea what that was all about. And then it didn't become clear until much later to me too. And, oh, okay. I sort of lost the, <laughs> it, it, it didn't help. <laughs> yeah. I think with Sonny, I, I thought immediately that that was his brother. I think even in my notes when I first saw him, I was like, yeah, he was helping his brother. <laughs> Funny story. He was showing his brother how to clean the shoes with the tooth. He said, oh, you got to get a toothbrush, which is kind of funny mm-hmm. because I, to this day, that's how I take care of my sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is anytime so real. I, anytime, yeah, anytime I get, I'm using a toothbrush and it gets to the point where I'm no longer, you know, when it's time to swap out for a new toothbrush, that old toothbrush becomes the sneaker cleaner that <laughs> <Yeah>, makes sense <laughs> so they always open his brother clean showed his brother i'm like yeah i do that but then like when he first got kidnapped i was like in reaction i was like well, maybe it's his son and i was like he, he could be his son and then yeah. at the end i was like okay yeah same thing i was like yeah that, that was his, his uh his brother so i was like oh yeah i was right initially it was his brother yeah i didn't see any like father-son kind of dynamic so right. that, I didn't I didn't quite confuse me, but Ice was totally like I thought Ice was not involved in any familiarly at all. I was like, oh, that, uh, there's an actual family relation. Oh, oh that makes much more sense now. <laughs> yeah, I just looked at Ice. And, oh, that must be the drunk uncle. <laughs> you were right. You were right. Yeah, he worked at the one store that he would go to, and yeah, but uh, he, uh, Mitch gets fed up and he, he ends up punching, you know, beating him up and kicking him out, taking his key and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that was a tough dynamic there. So yeah, tragedy with this, with um, Sonny. Yeah, it's awful. 
This was based on a true story. AZ Faison, who helped write it, was literally the big kingpin that they based Ace's character off of. And I was re- him and uh, two other friends, Alberto Martinez and Richard Porter, I guess they played maybe some of the other roles, maybe maybe Rico and Mitch. They, that was a trio that controlled a lot of the drug dealing in Harlem or other parts of New York City in the 80s. But I was reading that AZ wasn't really thrilled with the entire depiction of how it went. And he thought that uh, Dame Dash was just really trying to promote Cameron, but you know, because of his, because of his music uh, being popular at the time. Yeah, that's that's a coincidence because I think it was like a little after Hayden Full came out, Cameron mentions Macaw Pfeiffer in one of his songs in the lyrics. It's my first time out, murked on Macaw Pfeiffer, and I'm like, oh wait, hey, that's a, that's a Hayden Full reference right there. Mm-hmm. I can't get the song off the top of my head, but you know what? We'll, we'll have it ready for the show notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they had some cameos in this as well. They always have cameos. Yeah, tons of cameos. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like a rap so, song these days, like with like 10 cameo, like yeah, featuring so and so and so. Yeah, so, you know, Dame Dash, you know, was had a cameo in the movie. The first time um, Mitch pulls up in the sob and, and takes um, Ace around the neighborhood, Dame Dash pulls up alongside him. I think that might have been Biggs with him in the car, but I'm not, I can't remember. And he's they're talking trash to one another back and forth from through the windows. Hey, there's Dame. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, Brucey e. B and Busy B were the DJs and MCs in the club that were giving Mitch the shout constant shout outs. <laughs> Mentioned Nori was the informant guy who was had his ear to the street and, and was kind of keeping Ace abreast of what was going on with Mitch inside. We mentioned Dougie Fresh as well in the club scene. Key Rod performing Key Rods at the top, right before the money falls from the sky. <laughs> and also Angie Martinez, who's actually had a cameo in another one of our movies. That's um, right. Sure. Yeah. She's got a cameo in this one. I totally missed the Angie Res- Martinez cameo. Yeah, she was, uh, what was... Yeah. sitting alongside Calvin when Rico oh. decides to retaliate. <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> There's probably other cameras that I missed, but those are the ones that I definitely remember catching. <laughs> yeah, that's the fun thing about these movies. If, if you're a hip-hop head and you love these artists and you see them pop up here and there in this, these movies, it's neat. <laughs> Overall, it, was, it moved pretty pretty fast. It had a lot of action in it. And I it think you hit, yeah. you hit it on the head, Boogie. There's a lot of realism to it. Like You could definitely see this, how it could play out in real life. Absolutely. I appreciate that Scarface with they has they showed some scenes of Scarface in this. It was sort of like in Juice where they showed scenes of White Heat. These gangster films perpetuating themselves. <laughs> yes, yes, and I, 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 and I mentioned Scarface in my notes too. <laughs> yeah, and New, and New Jack City, which we just reviewed too. I mean, that was there's a huge Scarface piece there where uh, Wesley Snipes was imitating Al Pacino and uh, yeah. trying to do his voice and everything. Yeah, I mean, Scarface is probably one of the most referenced movies in hip-hop culture. Mm-hmm. A lot of people model, try to model their quote-unquote lifestyle. That's the lifestyle of some of these gangster-type rappers. They want to be like Scarface. There, there's actually a, an album. I have it somewhere. I used to listen to it all the time, but it's every song on the album. It's a, it's a compilation album from various rap artists. And every song contains a sample from Scarface. 
I think yeah, I've seen yeah. that. I've I've had that album for years, like decades probably now. <laughs> but yeah, every song in it is a ref- has a reference to Scarface. Either lines from this from in the intro or the song a song that's sampled from one of the songs in Scarface. Or lines referenced in Scarface. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, even so so much so that Scarface is a rapper from, um, from the Ghetto Boys, right? I mean, he's the one that got that moniker. He's a lucky one that got to have that moniker. I mean, yeah. he, he probably claimed that in the 80s, you know, before everybody. And everybody's like, Scarface, Scarface. If you watch if you watch a lot of interviews of, of rappers and they ask, what's your favorite movie? I mean, you'll you'll hear Scarface, Scarface more than any other movie. Yeah, it's definitely one of those movies that no matter what part of it's on, if I flip and buy, I stop, I, I'll just stop and start watching it wherever yep. it's at. Yep. <laughs> it's a surf stopper. Yeah, it definitely is. I remember the first time I saw any parts of it, I was coincidentally at my cousin's house because I was the youngest one. I was on the couch with the covers over my head and they were sitting there <laughs> watching it and I'm peeking through the covers like, ooh, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had... For years, I had a, um, a pendant. It was the the world is yours. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, fun. Yeah, and I had that for for years until the glue popped out one night, and I couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was on my way to a club. I jumped up my car, and I got snagged on something that popped out. <laughs> uh oh! <laughs> I remember just, that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a really good movie. I mean. Brian De Palma knows what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. We talked about the music, so I think yeah, the soundtrack was great. I, yeah. actually, I actually owned it. this soundtrack. I did own it was a double CD. You know, one set, one CD had you know songs from the movie, and the other CD was almost like an old school mixtape. It had a bunch of the classic stuff on it. Um, that you you hear you know periodically throughout the movie, songs that were I guess might have been using the, when they were filming, but they didn't make the cut. So yeah, but, but all those songs were on the double CD. Um, I, I have that around here somewhere too. <laughs> <laughs> it's great soundtrack. Yeah, like soundtrack and stuff on this. Obviously includes Cameron and Dougie Fresh, Eric B. Kim, Special Ed, Beanie Siegel, Jules Santana, many others. Yeah, Jim Jones. Diplomats, Dipset, Dipset, EBP, Boogie Down Productions, and Phil Collins. Gotta throw Phil in there. Yeah, Phil. I love Phil and Genesis. They're like a top 10 band for me. Yeah, good stuff. Could this film be made today? We always ask that question. What do you guys think? Easily. I I think so. I really enjoyed this movie, but I could see that I could see it be made again. I wouldn't want to see it made again, but it could no, be. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could you know, see it happening though. This is a this is a straight period piece. Really was, yeah. Yeah, and that's all he would really have to do. Let's make another period piece. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Actually, you know, it's coincidental. I don't know if they're still in the talks, but there were up until last year, as recent as last year, they were talking about a sequel. How it would play out, who would be in it, I'm not really sure. Right. But I remember Cameron was in the interviews and he was he was mentioning that you know they were yeah we're gonna make a sequel. So yeah. I don't know if that's gonna ever come to fruition or if it's gonna get scrapped. But we'll see what what happens with that. 
And I think one missed opportunity was to have a cameo of uh, Rakim or Eric B and Rakim in this being that was called Painful. They used their track in the beginning. They could have easily just put him in uh, in a cameo yeah. somewhere. Easily, easily. Yeah. Could have had them performing that in the club, in one of the club scenes. Yeah. yeah. They could have been in the corner like Stadler and Waldorf or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder how to, what a sequel would be like because only Ace really survived, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't, I mean, unless they're going to. Unless you know. do kind of a, some within the timeline of this movie or a prequel, I don't know, but. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, or next generation, next generation, yeah, yeah. the next generation of once, drug dealers. Took over once Ace left the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I mean, well, he was saying how it's like fake now. Was he kind of like a producer of sorts? Maybe he was a music producer. I don't know what his. But he was he was sort of like off past the where the the cordon was. He wasn't right, like right. in the production. So it was like he was in a crowd just watching. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Watching a music video, yeah, being made. Yeah, they they were watching it being made, but uh, it's like <laughs> little do they know, like the yeah. the authentic drug dealer who lived that life was there. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe he was a consultant. <laughs> Secret, mm. yeah. To try to make it real, more realistic. Yeah, uh, who knows? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, and they did like that. Mitch had some Sergio Tacchini tracksuits. I'm like, that's real. <laughs> that's eighties, man. Yes, that's <laughs> Yes, yeah, that was very authentic, right there. Oh, you know what? I forgot to, who I forgot to mention was in this movie. Regina Hall. <laughs> How can I get Regina Hall? <laughs> A very young Regina Hall. Yeah, that. So, <laughs> yeah, she that played one of her first roles. Yeah, it was one of her early roles. Yeah, she played Mitch's uh, Mitch's sister and yeah, Ace's Keisha. girlfriend Keisha. Keisha. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm just scrolling up to make sure if I forgot to mention anything. I'm like, oh my goodness, Keisha. Regina. So she was in a bunch of things before Peyton Full, Love and Basketball, That's Scary right, Movie, yeah. The Best Man. Scary Movie 2, uh, a lot of Ally McBeal. So, yeah, okay. I, I thought this was early in her career. Basically, it was early in her career. Oh, that's right. The Best Man did come out. The Best Man might have been the first role I remember seeing her in then. Yeah, probably because... The first major role. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that came out after this because she looks she looks really young in this one. Yeah. She looks a little older in The Best Man Get Up because I guess cause she was probably making her look older for the role yeah. she was playing. <laughs> Yeah, back back to your issues with the movie JV. I, I I had trouble keeping track of the women in the film because they they didn't give much character development. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. when the two are tied up on the bed, I was like, wait a minute, who are those again? <laughs> Who's who? I was trying to yeah, figure out which, which people were being held hostage. Right. Yeah. One of them was Aunt June. Aunt June. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I don't know who the other person was. Yeah, but I and know I, was. I don't remember. She was related. She, I think she might have been Ace's uh, mom's sister. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. She, she, that was, she was played by Elise Neal, who was in the Hughleys and a lot of other things as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were using her her apartment to to package everything and still stash the money and and, and everything. Yeah, probably because if anybody you know everybody was the raid, Ace's apartment it would be clean, <laughs> right? 
right. anything there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. She so. had a big role in Scream too, also. So it's funny she had a really small bit part here, but then she had a big break. <laughs> All interconnected. She was yeah. Good too. She was in Black Sheep's video for Strobe Light Honey. <laughs> it's funny. That's a Gotta go. Gotta great go, song. Gotta That's a great yeah. song. Yeah. That's a club banger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great song. I think I like it better than the first the first big hit. The choice is yours. That's yeah, the, the choice is yours. Which is a great song too, but I definitely used to play Strobe Light Honey more. <laughs> yeah, yes. Black Sheep is underrated. Yeah. Um Flavor of the Month. I like that one. That's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah, we had, we had a couple good ones. Dress DRS. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Jazz DRS. Yes, I guess I can start. If I start with you about this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's actually starting start to put more music out. Is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. I was like, oh, okay. Mr. L A W N G E. These guys are great. Yeah. Shout out to Black Sheep. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I play that cassette nonstop. Oh man, that cassette was classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they were part of Native Tongues, so they would uh, interact with Trap Hall Quest and Leaders of New School and De La Soul, Jungle Brothers. They were all appearing on each other's tracks and, and stuff. You know, these were good times. Dope collective, man. Yeah. Super mm -hmm. dope collective. And Moni Love also. All of them were dope, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. like we, like we could go down a rabbit hole with them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this, this, this episode will be another, you know, few hours. <laughs> the Native Tongues. The younger folks listening, look them up. Native Tongues and, and all those artists were just amazing. There was kind of like peace and love and have a good time and like the antithesis of the, the gangster rap. Yeah, hip hop. Yeah, more, more, yeah, more uh, <laughs> cerebral hip hop. Mm -hmm. yep. Afrocentric, good vibes, positive, you know, positive living. Yeah. My Buddy is a great track that has a lot of those guys in it from De La Soul. They get credited for it, but it had a lot of those artists on it. Yeah. yeah. Can't go wrong with Buddy. Yeah. Gives you a nice, good feel of what they were about. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the video is fun because everybody's in the video, even the ones that don't have lines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Well, the reminds me of Black Sheep. They even talk about the native tongues and, and the choice is yours, which mm -hmm. if you guys don't know that, you can get with this, you can get with that. I got Brothers on the Jungle, Cousins on the Quest. Jungle Jungle Brothers, you know, Cousins on the Quest, Trap Call Quests, and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> if you watched the early episodes of Yo MTV Raps, I was going down that rabbit hole recently. I had a free trial of Paramount Plus. <laughs> I was watching episode one, two, three of, of uh oh wow original UMT raps. It was great. And uh wow. hmm. they were showing my me, myself, and I. Uh they were showing early NWA when they had, when Easy E was still with us and Ice Cube and Dr. Dre and Ren, Yella, all those guys. It was crazy. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, to put a bow on paid in full, 
You guys want to give it our regular rating here? Boogie, would you say bring that funky flick back? Bring that funky flick back? Or leave it in the vault? Bring that funky flick back. Absolutely. <laughs> that all right? I really enjoy this movie. Bring this funky flick back. Yep. Despite some of the issues I have with the character development, I would say uh, bring this funky flick back. I'm wondering, you know, and maybe listeners, if you want to chime in, I'm wondering if we want to alter our rating system. Maybe we want to start giving it like a, a scale, like one to five microphones or something like that. Because <laughs> on this one, I would say bring it funky flick back because I think it should be a more constant rotation. But I would say I'd give it like two and a half microphones out of five. <laughs> <laughs> maybe three. Because it's just, I'm holding it to a high standard because we just came off Juice and New Jack City, and 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 after that, I think it kind of diminishes its impact a little bit for me. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd put it as better than say Juice or New Jack City or even Boys in the Hood, but I I bring the funky flick back. Maybe it's a cut below. Maybe it's three VHS tapes out of five. But yeah, yeah, yeah I hear you. Yeah, yeah. So. When I say bring the funky flick back, what I'm saying is I, I wish it was in more constant rotation, not so hard to find. Like I wish this would come up on your regular feeds here and there. And mm-hmm. we shouldn't have to dig for these these movies. No, right. I agree. Um, yeah. yeah, this one you need to have a Showtime uh, account or uh, do their their trial thing. So I rented this off of Amazon Prime, and so I agree. Like it should be more readily available. I wonder what. It's, it's probably it probably has to do with some money thing and so <laughs> what what licensing thing did this fall down some kind of licensing crack that we had to pull out with amazon rental but yeah i i hear you yeah it usually comes down to money or licensing <laughs> <laughs> yeah because yeah, these are these are culturally significant movies yeah Absolutely. yeah Absolutely. Hip Hop Movie Club is produced by your HHMCs, JV, Boogie, and Dino Wright. Theme music by Boogie. Check us out on TikTok and Instagram at Hip Hop Movie Club. On the next episode of the Hip Hop Movie Club podcast, your HHMCs will review Belly, starring DMX and Nas. It drops in two weeks. Subscribe today in your favorite podcast app and you won't miss it. Shout out to your listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, don't hate, dominate. Dominate, yes. Dominate. I'm a neat Wilkins. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Bejeweled. Thanks for your support, holding it down in the Green Mountain State. Shout out to Brain Freeze Trivia in the Lehigh Valley. Check out the Instagram, brain underscore freeze underscore trivia double underscore time. That's Brain Freeze Trivia time on Instagram.